Hello, beautiful people all over the world. This is Christian Shabby, your host of Healthy, Wealthy, and Happy. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. This is Christian here with another informational podcast. And today we have, again, another phenomenal podcaster himself, almost, because he's here for his second recording. And today we're going to be talking more about cannabis and the cannabis and also how to grow the right way, how to grow in general and all the ins and out about the whole cannabis industry. All right. So let's go ahead and dive in and give people kind of like your credibility and who you are, introduce yourself and how you got into the cannabis and your dream and passion about it. My name is uh, Koisey Huffman. And uh, I'm from Detroit, Michigan, and I've been farming since I was eight years old. So this is like right up my alley. And uh, since I was 16 years old, basically God told me I was going to be in the cannabis industry because I literally got my uh, ACT score back. And this is for all high schoolers preparing for college or preparing for the next step in your life. You know, this is a big moment besides graduation. Or getting your first nut off, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> but, but nah, just, I got my ACT score back. It said 16, but I was like, I had this life realization, like, damn, now what am I doing in my life for real? Like, everybody else got a plan except me. Then literally, right when I said that, I'm in my bathroom smoking a joint. And 60 Minutes came on the, the TV, because this was back when Colorado first went recreationally legal out of all 50 states. And they was like, they was just talking about how if you made, if you were a master grower, how much you can make, you can make $250,000 a year. Plus, plus the bonus is you get 50% of the profit from the sales of the actual cannabis. I'm like, damn, that's like, that's damn near over a million dollars right there. Just to grow some weed. And they was talking about how if, if you have 12 plants and you do it right, how you can make $150,000 a year consistently, I'm like, ah, oh, how I get into that? <laughs> right. I don't but, blame you. That's but, funny, man. But from that day, I just wanted to be a master grower. Like, that's just what I wanted to do. I knew I was, I had my mind set that that's what I was wanting to do. But it was some more things that happened after that. I call them the domino effect. It was more dominoes that fell down, and it's just like how the stars align and all that. Stuff just aligned to say, okay, Quasey, this is what you're going to do. All right, give me, like, give me a nice version of like how that started. Because like, I'm pretty sure you're talking about when you were in college, or was it before that? No, this is, this is everything leading up, up to me to going it. to college. So this is how I figured out I was going to be in the cannabis industry. I, I told you that was the catalyst. That was the initiator. That was the first thing that, the, that was the first seasoning that I put on the chicken of the best fried chicken in the world, which is called the cannabis industry and Quasi being a, a master grower in the cannabis industry because it's some more seasonings that need to be added at this point. <laughs> so that was the first thing. And the second thing was, okay, now I figured out I wanted to go to college. Because at first, I didn't have any no no dreams or aspirations to go to college. That wasn't even in my repertoire. That wasn't in my portfolio. That wasn't in nothing. I said, college? What's... I done went through all this school. You think I'm finna go <laughs> pay to put myself through most school? I don't even like school. <laughs> like, you tripping. Right. <laughs> like, pay for it by yourself, you too. You pay for blood. But no, nah, that's going off the fact. The fact is, the second thing that happened was me 
and my family, we got Farmer of the Year. We got Small Farmer of the Year. And so there's this huge conference called the Small Family Farm Conference, and it, it rotates from place to place. And that, that year it was in Marshall, Michigan at the Marshall High School. And um, so there was a Michigan State rep, and he happened to be black. And What was his name? I forgot. <laughs> I, didn't, I know one. I'm gonna have him on the podcast. I say I didn't. I didn't really catch his name, nor cared, nor paid attention because that's not what I was there for to really meet with him. I was going there to see because I was kind of nervous because I didn't want to be labeled as a piehead because I did smoke weed at the time, but weed wasn't all the way accepted yet. It wasn't legal. Like it it was now. yeah, like it wasn't even it wasn't even medically legal yet. So it was like, well. I can either go ask him in this question about my future or I can be scared or not. So I dropped my scaredness and I went and asked him. I said, look, I want to be in the cannabis industry. I want to be a master grower. To the state rep? Yeah. Uh-huh. And to the to the rep for Michigan State. Oh, Michigan and, State. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Michigan State University. Oh, I thought, okay, my bad. I was there. And state no, 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 not a state rep. Okay. And um, I was like, well, this is what I want to do. I want to do booty wooty woo. I want to be a cannabis. I want to be a master girl in the cannabis industry. What do I need to major in college? He said, okay, if you want to do that, you want to go to school for plant and soil science. So that, since that day, I knew I was going to college for plant and soil science. But I also knew I had a 1.89 GPA and I also knew I had got a 16 on my ACT. So none of the schools that I want to go to are going to accept me. And I'm not going to community college. <laughs> like, so I had a whole lot of just problems in that time. And I was like, okay, now I got to get to college. How am I going to do that? So now the second scenario, that was the second domino that failed. And the third domino, I was going my way to New York to visit my brother and at the time, I, well, and when I was in school, I was in FFA, which is the future. Was it's not called it anymore, but in that time, it was called Future Farmers of America. It's a huge farming organization, and they have a lot of events, or they have a lot of competitions. So, for instance, I am fourth in the state in creed speaking. I am first in the state in ag issues or agricultural issues. What's, which is, what's the first one? Creed speaking, so the FFA got this FFA creed, and whoever can recite it the best and then learn it inside out to answer questions about it, you get judged off of that. Okay. So it's about care. It's really about charisma, but they beat me off the charisma. That's how I got fourth in the state. It's really third in the state, but I say fourth because I should have won. But that's beside the fact. <laughs> but nah. But the, the, then I got first in the state in ag issues with my team, with my ag issues team. And then we got third in the nation. That's all 50 states plus Puerto Rico. And um, that's also besides the fact. Moving forward, I so I decided to do prepared public speaking. And prepared public speaking, you have to write a speech about an agricultural topic. And then you got to prepare it and you got to publicly say your speech. And so what I tried to do was I tried to do it on hemp, but everybody kept telling me no, because you're still a youth and weed is still a touchy subject. But I had to basically be a lawyer and fight my case. Hemp is not weed. It's not psychoactive. It don't get you high. It has over 50,000 usages and getting you high is not one of them. Like, but they still was like, no, you know, no, skip that. You can't do that. No, you can't do that. But they finally let me do it. 
And when I was on my way to New York, I was writing my paper. And there was this old, this old Caucasian couple, and they were sitting in front of me. And I see them keep peeking over at me, and they keep looking at what I'm doing. But the, okay, I'm going to use these words. The hood nigga in me was, was like, the fuck is you looking at? Like, <laughs> like, bro, what, keep your eyes over there from what you doing. Like, but I, I had to be respectful because I'm not in that environment no more. <laughs> so they started asking me questions, and that conversation led to them telling me, oh, we're FFA advisors in Colorado. Oh, we own a cannabis farm in Colorado. Oh, if you ever do get your degree in plant soil science, woo-dee-woo-dee-woo, you can come intern or work for us. And that got my head going, like, yeah. <laughs> so now I got a job, and I ain't even started it yet. I'm still in high school. I was like, yeah. It's on. <laughs> it's on and popping. Like, this is what I need. This is what I was put on this earth to do. I don't know why, but this is what I was put on this earth to do. And then the fourth domino came. Now I need to get into college. But then again, I told you I have a 1.89 GPA and a 16 on my ACT. So what college is going to accept me? So I'm sending out college letters, sent out letters to Michigan State. I sent out letters to Ferris, to all, well, basically all colleges that have an ag program that has plant soil science. Ferris doesn't have one. But I just sent it just because. <laughs> just to see if I could get into college. Right. <laughs> Every single college of my choice denied me. Denied. <laughs> like, it was, that's what happened. Like, they said, no, unfortunately, you don't fit the criteria to come to our college. And they didn't give me no, no ultimatum to say, okay, but you can come take a test. And see if you can get in our college. They never gave me that option. But one school did. Alcorn State University. Shout out to you. That's my HBCU. If you don't know, HBCU is Historically Black College and University. Um, it's in Lorman, Mississippi. And what they did was they sent me a letter. It was like, well, you come take this test because, you know, as you know, your ACT and your grades ain't shit. So you need to come take this test. So I went and took that test, and I scored very high on that test. And they admitted me right away in the school. So that was the fourth domino that failed. And that's how I got into college. (laughs) So you get into college and then your degree is in plant. Well, I'm going to have you say, tell people about your degree and then the internships that you had during college. Okay. So my degree is plant and soil science. And, um, for everybody that's pursuing the cannabis industry, you know you can't get into the cannabis industry legally until you're 21 unless you are a part of a family-owned business. And so I had a plan. I had a plan A, B, and C because my parents always teach me to have a, a triangular plan, not just a plan A and a B, but a plan A, B, C, and even D, E, F, and G. But <laughs> that's some a different conversation. So... My plan B was to actually be work for the NRCS, the well for you people that don't know the USDA NRCS. So that is a division of the United States Department of Agriculture. With so that division is Natural Resources Conservation Services. That's the abbreviation as well. Yeah, it's NRCS. NRCS. So you got the USDA FSA, which handles the money. They're the financial service, financial something, something, something. <laughs> that's the FSA. 
Then you got the NRCS, who actually deals with farmers. They're they're the, basically the government's a farmer connection. And then you got rural development, which says it in his name is for rural development. And they just handle like community building and community outreach in the rural community. And uh, I had an internship with the NRCS. I was a soil conservationist. So literally I went out and I observed farmers to give to figure out if they could be in the programs to get the money that was allocated. And for people that don't know what allocated means, the money that was basically given to us to give to them because once, and I don't know if you know, in the government, when there's a budget, that money has to be spent. Every dime has to be spent. Like it needs to be spent. So if you get this money and this money left over, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Like real talk, money has to be spent. Let me say this one more time. Money has to be spent. <laughs> Even if you buy yourself a little jet after? Nah, I ain't gonna say that. Nah, it can't be spent like that. It gotta be spent towards the thing it's supposed to be spent to, unless you can, unless you know some loophole. And a lot of these people know the loopholes. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but yeah, I worked for the NRCS for two summers and soil conservation. That was pretty decent, but it was, it was knowledgeable. I learned a lot and I learned a lot more in about agriculture and than I did from being just a black little farmer who's doing urban farming. I learned a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Like, I learned about plant identification. I learned about water systems. I learned about grading systems. I learned about how to stop erosion, how to stop a lot of stuff. Like, I learned a lot. It was just et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's just a lot. You forgot more. You forgot more than some people know about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But that wasn't really growing, growing. It, what, it what wasn't about the growers. Cause uh, that was you were you were doing agriculture, but it wasn't cannabis related. No, it wasn't cannabis related. That was just more towards crop growers, like people who do corn on. So I worked up north. What about that? So they do corn, soybeans, they do dry beans, they do wheat, and they do sugar beets. That's their main commodities. Where I was working, I was working in um, Cairo, Michigan, or yeah. Tuscaloosa County, and. That was what I did for my first two summers. And on my on the weekends, I'll go back to Detroit. And I used to work for Goddess Herbs and Company. That's a, a medicinal herb shop. Not weed. Let me put the disclosure. No, we did not sell weed. We sold over 250 medicinal herbs. Like, like we sold kelp. We sold sage. We sold motherwort. We sold burdock. We sold chamomile. Like it's a whole list of plethora of herbs that we sold for that had over thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of usages. Because I don't use pharmaceuticals, I don't use Tylenol, I don't use none of that extra bull crap. Because that's created to create problems in the body and not actually heal them. I'm trying to heal myself. I'm not trying to temporarily relieve get a get a temporary fix. Like. That's not what I'm trying to do. Get a sniff of crack. Now I need to come back for more. That's not what I'm trying to do. Like, <laughs> like, Gotta be good for a minute. Yeah, I need to be good forever. I want my body to be as strong as it possibly can. So that's what I did on my weekends. So that was like... That's where I figured out I wanted to be a medicine man. Because it was this 72-year-old uh, African-American man. He came in one day and he was like, well, I just had a heart attack and I just got out the hospital and I, and I got high blood pressure. And I got... um high blood pressure and high cholesterol. 
and they want me to take these pharmaceuticals. But I don't want to take no pharmaceuticals. So I came here to get prescribed a medication, a homeopathic medication by you guys. So what I did was I couldn't find my boss. So I had to come up with a medication for this man who has high cholesterol, who has high blood pressure, all on my own. And so I have zero, I ain't going to say zero, I probably got like a good 5% knowledge, basic knowledge, general knowledge on what I'm doing. So the rest came out of the book. So I came up with this mixture for him, and he came back a week later on my day off when I wasn't working, I wasn't in the shop, and he was like, Tell that young man, thank you, because he saved my life. Because in one week, I did something that no pharmaceutical company has ever did in their life. I stabilized a 72-year-old man's high blood pressure and high cholesterol back to normal. With some herbs. With some herbs. The herbals. With the the homeopathic pharmaceuticals, the herbs that come from straight out your backyard that you don't even know is a herb because we are taught that it is a weed, like daisies. That is a medicinal herb, but we're taught it's a weed. Burdock, that big old elephant ear looking plant that got them big leaves, that is a herb. We're taught it's a weed. (laughs) Right. That's it. And that ties in right into like the cannabis. Like a lot of people say that it's a weed. So talk about like the good, how like cannabis helps people and then how like what you learned from the growers and stuff like that. Okay. We're going to step back to the previous question first. But the previous question, let with, me finish that. With the grower, yeah. With what I did as far as internship. So without with growers. Yes, yeah. with the growers. And so. So after that, the, after them two summers, I, I worked for NRCS and I worked for the herb company. And so now I'm 21. So now I can go work for a cannabis company. And that was my last, that was last summer. And what I did was I found a internship on Indeed. Shout out to Indeed. And I, I literally sent out 80 applications to 80 cannabis companies. And some, I ain't going to say 80. It's probably like 70 or so because some of them I sent out like five applications each because they kept denying me so I kept reapplying. Like, 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 I was, well, I am determined. Like, I ain't gonna say I was determined. I am determined. Like, and so, but finally, shout out to Rapper Nui Cannabis or, um, Nolan ass. I mean, Nolan. Uh, (laughs) and Nolan and shout out to, uh, what the other name for Pacific Landing Cattle because they gave me an internship. They brought me in. And so one day, after my last final, I literally finished my final at 3 o'clock. I hopped on the road and drove two days to Washington State because that's where my internship was. And that's where I lived for the whole summer. And I grew weed legally for a tier 2 cannabis company. We we grew 3,000 plants. Now, that is my internships. Now, what was your next question? So go into depth about what you learned during those internships about growing that would help people out that most people don't know. I'm going to start with this one. The dude I worked for before he started this multi-million dollar cannabis company, he was a fifth grade math teacher. All he's seen, he has no previous farming knowledge. Like, like I have farming knowledge. He has nothing. He was a teacher. He just smart as hell. Like, he went 
and found one of his close buddies who has a, a big farm in Humboldt County, uh, California, the cannabis capital of the world. And literally went there for a couple months and had him teach him the ins and outs of a cannabis industry and growing cannabis and selling cannabis. Then he went back to Washington State where he had his grandparents' land and created, and his friend invested in him and gave him like half a million or something like that. And that's how he started his cannabis company. Now, what I want to tell you is... It, how much he borrowed, by the way? I think I want to say he borrowed half a million. Okay. I want to say he borrowed, because it was like 20000 per hoop house, and he had like, he had 12 hoop houses. Then you got a main building. Then you got to think about the electrical. Then you got to think about security. Then you got to think about fencing. You got to think about the actual setup of the, of the building. Yeah, he had about half a million initial investment. And um, so the thing about the cannabis industry, that what I want you to know is sometimes, well, with the cannabis industry, everything is has a price tag, a high dollar price tag. And if you ain't got it yourself, don't be discouraged to go get a loan. Don't be discouraged to go get an investor. Don't be discouraged to use your resources because, unfortunately, a lot of us people that have nothing, we need that that somebody, that somebody to get us to where we got to go. That person with the bag. Uh, yeah, because we ain't got the bag yet, but we got an idea to get to the bag. And we, If you got a plan, a plan can take you a long way. If you have a written down plan, it will take you a long way. And that's why I say we're bigger than rappers. We're bigger than just an athlete because a lot of us don't think that the plan that is in our head can take us anywhere. But when reality, a pen in the paper can take you farther than you working your ass off to be an athlete. Plan is something else. I don't think y'all listening. A pen in a paper can take you farther than just working your your, your body, body and using your physical attributes to get you somewhere in life. A pen and a paper can get you farther than using your physical attributes to get you somewhere in life. And it's less harmful on the body. <laughs> like, right. And it's going to get you to a bigger bag. <laughs> Literally. It's a, it's a lot easier to wake up every morning and, and do that type of work than do some physical labor. For real. For real, Especially for when real. you get 30, 40, 50, and your body starts decaying a lot faster. And I, my thing about the cannabis industry is all trial and error. So you go, you want a network of people that you can trust and who are reliable and who have good credentials inside of whatever industry that you're trying to go into. A little side question. How many pounds do you think an operation like that could produce? Like, what's the type of revenue? I want to say... So a plant gives off, in his system, each plant, at I want to say minimum, gave off a quarter pound. So if you got a quarter pound times 262 plants, I don't know how much that is. And then, actually, we're going to say a quarter pound times 3,142 plants. A quarter pound is eight ounces. But uh, Four. Yeah, four ounces. I'm sorry, that was half pound. Um, four times 3,144. That's what I mean. So that's 12,576. Divide that QPs and then divide. No, that's already a QP. 
that's a QP times 3,144 plants. But that's that would be 12,576 QPs, right? Yep. Then we, we divide that by... No, that's 12,576 pounds. And you know a ton is 2,000 pounds. Right, but we got four ounces... Times of 3,000. You got growers out here trying to be math musicians. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's how many QPs. I'm talking. Four QPs equal a pound. So we got to divide that number by four. Okay. 12, 5, 1, 7, 6. Divide by four. 3,144 pounds. Is that right? I don't think so. Either way, they just say. Well, no, it could be. No, 3,140. It don't sound logically right because that's a high ass number for some pounds, but you, that's on right. average, where you getting a QP per plant because these are outside grown well, in Washington. These are way taller plants. You got to understand. You probably got a pound or half. No, he's he's getting he's getting about a QP or more per plant. But the thing is, there's three different cycles you're getting a QP or more per per. So we were full capacity three times throughout the whole summer I was there. When I say full capacity, that means we flipped each greenhouse three times. When I say flip, that means we went from transplant and harvested three times in one summer. Wait, three times you would transplant and harvest? We did that three times. I'll show you the pictures, but that's after the podcast. That's <laughs> like, we flipped three times. That's how we had so much surplus in the winter to be able to eat off of. How does he, when he distribute, does he dispensaries? Yeah, he's literally, he does everything because he's had so many people work with him. He don't trust many people. So he does everything on his own. So what he literally does, he goes and talks to the dispensary owners, he sits down. So what, what you do is you drop off a gift or you drop off a sample. And the dispensary owner is going to observe your weed. He's going to analyze your weed. He's going to analyze the smell, the flavor, the TAC content. And if it's good, he's going to put it on his shelves. If it's not, he's not going to put it on his shelves. And if it sells, he's going to ask for more. If it doesn't sell, he's going to discontinue your your brand. Simple. It's all about numbers in the cannabis industry. Like, if you don't get the, the right amount of sales, your product would not be sold. Like, so... So if a like a dispensary owner buys a pound and he sells it and people don't keep buying it, eventually he'll be like, I don't want this anymore. Yeah. We've been discontinued before. He's been discontinued. Like from a from a local, it's called a Bud Hut. We got discontinued from there because our product, everybody had, uh, we just had bad reviews on our product. What was the issue? The like, issue do you remember? Was, was it like quality? Well, tech, well. Bugs? The, the issue was... I was just overhearing. It was a lot of issues. One of the issues was we had some, one time we had some larfy weed. And so I overheard the bud tender that, because one day I, I went and he was talking about our brand, but he didn't know I worked there. So he was just talking, but he was talking to a different customer. Talking crazy. Just talking crazy. Like, slipping. Uh, like this, this brand, wooty wooty woo, it's not a good brand. The weed just, nah, 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 just talking down on our brand. I was like, damn, this is how you sell a brand? Like, all right, man, we got the damn. Like, so I went back and I told I said, we don't need to fuck with them no more. I was like, because didn't you just say that they wanted more of your product? You said, yeah, you don't fuck with them no more. Yeah. So he stopped fucking with them. But the game grimy. It's because grimy. the only reason they were saying that about him is because him and Nolan 
which is my boss, or well, the owner and my boss, because if you own the farm, you always own the farm. But they had a falling out a couple of days earlier, so that's why they was talking bad about his product. Uh, it had nothing to do with the product. It didn't do with the relationship. It was the relationship between the business owner and the farmer, which downed the product. Yeah. So that's why I got discontinued from that store. Price. Numbers yeah. is all follow the money. Yep. So then you did that. I know you work. You know some other growers, right? That you were telling me about. Yeah. You know a couple people uh, that got they did bread and breakfast. Like talk about like the different entrepreneurship okay. opportunities available for people in that industry. Obviously, everything we're talking about is legal. We do not endorse any illegal business, illegal, illegal endeavors whatsoever. No, no, we do not. So uh, it's a couple of different things. It's a lot of different things you can do. If you, like I told you, if you can find a problem in any industry, if you find a problem and create a solution from it or find something that nobody's doing research on and you do a whole lot of research on it, you're always going to be the man who comes out with the most money. If, if money is what you're searching for in this world. So I'm going to tell you about a few different things. So I worked at a, a different farm called 420 Ranch when I was in Washington State. It was in a different city, a city over called Goldendale, Washington. And what he did was he did auto flowers, but he did auto flowers. Oh, if you, anybody doesn't know, auto flower is a plant that grows much. It's like a miniature cannabis plant and it grows. It doesn't flower by light, light deprivation. Right, because a regular plant goes from vegetation with 16 and 8, and then it knows it reacts when the lights, the light cycle drastically changes from 16, 8 to 12 to 12. So that's how the plant knows when to actually flower. All the flowers, the flowering is triggered off of uh, internodal growth. So once they reach their fifth internode, if you don't know what an internode is, I'm not explaining it. Go look <laughs> it up. Because this is your own personal research if you want to be a cannabis grower. Once and once it reached the fifth internode, it's triggered to go into flower. But it's a miniature plant, and it can range from a six-inch plant to a whole bush, a little bush. Like, it can be literally a gram dry weight to a quarter-pound dry weight. That's the various that you can get from an autoflower. But you can train autoflowers. But his was outdoor also. So what he did was he did a whole acre field of straight autos and then he harvest them, seed and all, chop them, trim them, wet trim. We was, we did this on the table and then he sells it to a extraction company. And because Bud with seeds is good for extraction because he's just extracting the TAC. She had a come up right there, million dollar come up right there, just doing auto flowers with seeds and selling to an extraction company for them to extract the TAC and create like wax, wax or crystals. and Well, just really wax and crystals. But that's just one. That's another. That's little, a, yeah, for that's growing. If you want, if, that, if yeah. you want to grow. Like, and then you you got the other end of it. I learned how to, to do di two different things. I learned how to make live rosin, and I learned how to make resin. Live resin and live um, rosin. So live resin is solventless wax. So basically, you're taking heat and you're extracting the TAC or the wax out of, but where you're squishing it and, and applying heat at the same time and squeezing out all the oozy rosin that's inside of a plant. 
And that's one form, but you get a low yield. It takes a lot, a large quantity to get a gram of wax. You might use literally an ounce of weed to get a whole one gram of wax. wax. That's why it's so expensive. Yeah. Or you can use a live rosin, which is solvent. You use a solvent to extract the THC or the CBD from the cannabis plant. The solvent would either be CO2, it would be butane. They used to use butane to extract. Yeah, most rosin. But now they use CO2 because it's cleaner and safer for the body and it won't blow you up. And, uh, <laughs> like meth labs were like, it's like a, it's like a mini meth lab almost. Like you can the blow butane. up. Yeah, like you can blow up. If, if the combustion, if it's too much combustion, it'll just explode. Like with the live rosin, they generally, they use a, a solvent. Which, like I told you, CO2 is the more, is the more used solvent now. And that's how you get them honey gold waxes and stuff like that. Cause if you use butane, then you're going to get like a brown, a doodle brown color, to color it. to it. Like instead of like a lighter, a lighter, more clear, like, like now people want to look and they want to see through it. And, all this extra shit. <laughs> right. In the beginning, people were just happy to they, get whacked. Yeah, they just a- happy to get a higher high. Like, cause you know, you know, extracts are like 80 to 90%, 80 to 99% CAC. Cause it's pure TAC. What's the other 10, 20%? Shit, that little bit of, if, whatever you, if, solvent. if you're using a solvent, it's whatever that solvent is. Cause you gotta burn off most, you gotta purge it. We were doing a homemade setting. So we purged it for an hour. I'm supposed to purge it for like some days because it's supposed to get all the chemicals out of there. So most people don't do that. So be a while. In a home, in a homemade setting, most people don't. But in companies, they got to. Yeah, hell yeah. I think they got to. You know, every... You never really know. You never really know. Shit, motherfuckers can... They paying the labs now to increase... They pay the lab like an extra 20000 just to increase their TAC percentage in their bud. Say they get a bud that's fourteen percent and they analyzed it, they'd be like, "Well, your bud came out fourteen percent, but we can boost it to twenty eight percent if you pay us this." That's crazy. It's bribery. Yeah. <laughs> that's life. That's life, though. If you yeah. well, the man with the most money always gonna win. <laughs> For real. <laughs> like, no wonder everyone. Mine's twenty eight percent, twenty nine, thirty three percent. It's 10 grand. Mine is 34.6%. Like, I seen, like, literally, when I was in Oregon, because Oregon got the best bud between Oregon and Washington. It's They got the best bud market because in Oregon, you can actually smell the weed, and you, can, you can't touch it, but you can smell it. They can open it in a jar, shake it up for you. And in Washington, it's a closed container sale, so everything that they sell is in a container, so you can only see it through a piece of a container, and you're basically basing it. It's like beer. You can't open beer and taste it and smell it before you buy it. You can only look at the brand and say, oh, that's a nice can. I wonder what oh, it tastes like. I wonder what it tastes like. And once that's, you try it. And once, yeah, like like in Washington, I got some trash-ass weed sometimes. Like booty. like Garbage. Garbage. Garbo. Yeah, real talk. Like, What do you think the best weed? Because you've been in Washington, Oregon, Michigan, Mississippi. The best For weed. For me, I feel like it's, I don't know. The New best York weed. Is trash. The best no weed I had was in Canada. Canada? When I went to Vancouver. That weed had me blitzed. <laughs> <laughs> is that one of, 
Wait, can, uh, yeah, yeah. Canada do actually, yeah, they're really big in the cannabis, obviously. Shit, their whole, the whole country is right, legal. legal right? It's like cigarettes. Like, you can, wherever you can smoke a cigarette in Canada, you can smoke some weed. That's correct. Yeah, America could be like that soon. Bro, I was in No Canada, matter the age. No, obviously, I'd be like over 18. Yeah. But yeah, tell your, your Canadian story and we'll move we'll on another point. I was in Canada, and you know, they dispensaries is different. Like, they'd be like, well, you know, you got to be a member. So the first one, when it said members only, I walked out because I was like, damn, I'm only going to be here for a day. But then the second one I went into, they said members only again. But I was like, damn, I ain't no member. I ain't even from here. And they had the button. It was like, oh, you don't have to be a uh, citizen to be a member. You just got to sign up for a membership card. And that only takes two seconds because once you sign up, you get the membership card. So I'm, <laughs> I'm a cannabis member in, in Canada. Like, <laughs> like, you thought all you thought was like a license, but it was dope though. Yeah, because in the dispensary, after you buy the weed in the back, there's a lounge area. They literally have concierge rolling trays and concierge papers and concierge filters of every size that you want, and you can roll your weed that you just bought right in there, right? And, and chill and just eat food. They got food there. No, nah, they ain't have food. Just I mean, besides like besides like edibles, they only had a place that you could sit and roll up your weed. Okay. But that's still dope. In America, you can't do that shit. No, yeah, no dude. <laughs> not yet. Not yet, at least. Not until we open our dispensary, but that's another different page. Yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> so, talk about your other buddy who's got that. Uh, oh, we don't want to put oh. too much on his name. We don't know, but we'll just call him your, your buddy that's oh, got my property. And, um, oh, my buddy. He um He's down in a different part of Michigan, and uh, he has a... Uh, a class bro, he does hemp and he does marijuana. And uh, for anybody that doesn't know the difference between hemp and marijuana, hemp is the cannabis to weed. They're both cannabis sativa L, except hemp is non-psychoactive, which means it doesn't get you high. It's strictly medicinal and it has 50,000 other usages. Like for instance, it can make hempcrete, which is a alternative to wood to building houses. It can make this product some I don't know the name of it, but it's it can make steel like a something close to a metal. It can make uh it's a food, it's a medicine with the CBD and it curing epilepsy. It's a vast amount of usages. Go look it up for yourself if you don't believe me. There's research on everything that I'm saying, dude. Every little piece of thing, there's research on it and there's proven facts of it. Now go look it up yourself if you do not believe me because I didn't believe myself at first either. So, (laughs) (laughs) and, but yeah, he's actually doing a lot though. He's, he's he's, got a bed and breakfast. He's got a bed and breakfast, which is basically, you can smoke whatever you want. You can smoke it there, but we're just going to stick with weed. Like it's a bed and breakfast, but it's smoke free because you know at the it's at not, the like it's not smoke free like no oh it's not smoke free I'm sorry but you know how at the hotels and stuff if you smoke in the rooms it's double the price so if it was two hundred it's four hundred now right. there he's gonna charge you two hundred and you can smoke your weed but it's in a bed and breakfast but he also throws events it's an event space also and so it's like double whammy like. He's thrown a couple of, of events and then he rents out in our area. There's this speedway or this, this racetrack. He rents it out and he throws concerts and things like that. And then he also has a hemp business. So he, he sells hemp seeds and he grows hemp and he has this processing business. 
he became the first processor in the state of state of Michigan to process him. And he also buys, I'm going to say this, he buys real estate for the purpose of leasing it out to companies that wants to own dispensaries or needs a dispensary, but they need it in a strategic location. He didn't already pre-thought where they want to go. And he bought places there. He bought buildings there, commercial buildings. And he literally, people call him like, for instance, he's in communication with Burner and Cookies. He's in communication with Al Harrington, which is Viola. And they want to use some of his spots, like strategic spots to put their businesses. Because, you know, he's not going to put four or five dispensaries in Detroit. He's going to put one in Detroit because it's a lot of traffic there. He's going to put one in Grand Rapids because it's a lot of traffic there. Right. He he only want he wants his stuff to be limited. So you got to travel to get there. Cuz you can be like McDonald's and have a McDonald's on every corner or you can be like Red Robins and have one Red Robins per city. Like, <laughs> like That's true. Yeah. Like, like, That's the bill. Like, they still going to come. They got to travel and it makes your stuff limited and more higher of a value. It's less supply, so that keeps a high demand. It's, it's just business one-on-one. But that's that's one thing. Then you got to, you know, there, there's always a need for nutrients. You got people who create nutrients, and they uh create their own nutrients. They figure out the composition and the elements inside of nutrients and what the plant needs, and they create nutrients for those specific problems. Could you explain the different kind of nutrients? Because that's something that... I know a little bit about, but you know a lot more about like the different kinds. So there are inorganic and organic nutrients. So inorganic nutrients are just literally what it is. They're synthetic chemical nutrients that are fast acting and they treat the problem, but they're more, they're higher in concentration. Then you have organic nutrients, which are nutrients that have every element, they got all the micronutrients, all the secondary nutrients, and all the macro all the macronutrients. And they have all the trace minerals and they have literally everything in it, like everything that the plant needs inside of an organic compost. Or not a compost in general. That's what I use, I'm sorry. <laughs> but there's a lot of I'm going to say that is the, the breakdown. Organic, inorganics, you can brand it. It's, hot. it's easier to brand because it's chemicals and it's just, it gives you a, a great product. The outcome. It the outcome. Gives you good outcome. It gives you good outcome, but it's more expensive. What's the side effect? The side effects is that I'm kind. Some of it uses toxic chemicals. That's really toxic to humans. Like, that's really the cons. And I can't give you, like, for instance, this is not a chemical that is used in cannabis, but this is a chemical that is used in agriculture that is that is very harmful. Glyphosate. Glyphosate is the key chemical inside of Roundup, which is made by Monsanto. And that causes cancer, causes throat and mouth cancer to be in particular. So it's a lot of cons with it. And most of it is really just human health and environmental health. It's not really healthy for the environment. It's not really healthy for humans. And it's really adding to this thing we call global warming. About the inorganics, you got the organic and the natural. But um, what about like the different kinds of nutrients, like solid foods, liquid foods, and compost teas? Well, me personally, 
I take a organic route to growing, and uh, I use I try to use the most organic things that I possibly can. And I just started an endeavor doing um, indoor growing, which is much different to me because my whole life I've only done outdoor and I've only used the actual real environment. Now I have to replicate an environment indoors. So that shit is different. <laughs> like it's hard to replicate something that God has created. Like, <laughs> like nature, yeah. yeah so humidity. Yes, it's, it's very hard to do that. And so I use compost teas because it's the naturalist form and I know I know, I know, I know that the pH on it is right. I know that the that all the minerals that I'm looking for is, is in there. I know all the trace minerals I'm looking for is in there. And I know that my plants are really going to love it. And it's natural and it's, it's, it's the closest thing to what they would get if they were grown in a forest. Because that's what you really want to replicate, a forest system. Because a forest is one of the most healthiest and natural environments in the world. And it's only by, because of diversity. And when you're only growing one crop, you take away the diversity. Diversity is key to strength. If we, I'm sorry, if it was just all white people or all black people or all Chinese people, everybody would die because there is no diversity. You need black, white, Chinese, green, red, yellow people. You need them all. You need them. Uh, you need them because it creates a diversity. Diversity is key to stopping disease, to strengthening environments. It is key. It is key. It is key. So with that being said, I use a compost tea. Now, there's different forms like you have dry nutrients and you have liquid nutrients. Now, the thing about liquid nutrients is it's already available. Basically, the nutrients is already available and they're already activated because you need water to activate most elements. And the thing with dry nutrients is really once they get added to the soil, once the water hits them, they're going to get activated then. So it's just, it's different. It's like one is slow release and one is right now. Okay, so liquid is fast release. Yeah. And then, yeah, like, and it lasts, the liquid don't last as long because. Isn't it true that they basically melt or they dissolve the salts to make the liquids, or is that not always the case? So when you start talking about salts, so the nutrient is basically a salt because, so water, pure water has no conductivity. Yeah. It has no electrical conduit to it at all. So you need a metal to for it to have an electrical conduit or electrical current to it. And so what nutrients are, are salt is a type of metal. Iron is a type of metal. So when you add these different, like, molybdenum, and you add some kelp, which is high in, I think it's high in phosphorus, and then you add some eggshells, which is high in calcium. Like, when you add things like that, yeah. they give off a metal that is getting dissolved into the, the liquid, which makes them readily available because all the nutrients that are inside of nutrients, all the elements inside of nutrients aren't readily available to the plant. There are certain things that needs to happen inside of that engagement or reaction that makes them readily available to the plant. Well, people need to know, like, when they're going to the store, like, 
Okay, you got compost teas, you got the little salts. Those are going to be cheaper, right, compared to the liquid stuff. And then the stuff that has a lot of chemicals, you know. That it's always going to be expensive. It's always going to be expensive because the chemical they use is not cheap. Yeah, it ain't cheap at all. I'm saying everybody has their own ideology around growing. Everybody has their own recipes. So my bias, my personal recipe, and this is what I was brought up on, is I I am a natural grower. I'm not going to say organic. I am a natural grower. So I try organic and natural. So organic is basically they still use some chemicals, but it's not. They're really they're certified organic chemicals, and they still use the chemicals that are okay to use. Yeah, and they're that's okay by the government, and they don't use all of conventional farming practices. And they can't, it's a lot of chemicals that they can't use. But most organic farms are by a conventional farm. So you can't really run away from the problems of a conventional farm because those guys make the organic farms, basically. No, I'm not saying that. It's just when you think about airborne, the wind, most particles or most chemicals that they spray on or on conventional farming. They are airborne, and yeah. they can they can travel for miles and miles and miles through the air when they're getting sprayed. Mm-hmm. So whatever doesn't go on the plant is in the air. And so the farms can be right next to each other. They can be touching. So the stuff that travels from one farm is going to go on the plants from the next farm. Damn. So that's why I say they can be organic, and they can be trying to run away from all these chemicals, but... They still getting the chemicals. <laughs> like it's just really hard to avoid. It. It's hard to avoid because they're in the air. Like so, like we smoke. For example, but like somebody smoking weed with chemicals and weed without, what should they expect? Like, how would someone know? The easy way to know. I know it's a, a difficult question. That's the rule. That's a highly difficult question. I mean, for me, I, let's say I try. I try somebody's stuff that they grew it naturally. Water, good soil. It tastes smooth, didn't cough as much, right? Now you smoke somebody's stuff with a whole bunch of chemicals, it's rough. As in rough, like you you make it cough a lot, it'll give you a headache. Things yeah. that your your lungs will feel like they're being yeah. squeezed and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I guess your body is going to have a different type of reaction. Because the flavor noise on it, okay, I'm using a different word that you probably don't know. Flavor noise. <laughs> no, flavor like noise or terpenes. So you know how you get a strawberry cough? Yeah. And when you cough, it tastes like strawberries. <laughs> oh, that, that's where it came from. Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, when they tasted the weed after it was grown, when the dude coughed, the cough tasted like strawberries, so that's why he called it strawberry, strawberry cough. cough. Like, <laughs> Makes sense. So, but uh, he was like, um, so different ways that you can tell is like, like you said, your lungs can contract and just, you just be like, oh shit, nigga, I can't breathe. Or it'd be like, the flavor on it is just off. Like, this it shit, tastes this shit tastes like boo boo. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 something not right here at all. Or it can be the look, like, it can have leftover residues on it from the spraying cycles. It's so many factors, but the main one is probably like flavor and how it makes your body feel. Probably give you like a headache, 
if it's not really calming or your body's not accepting it or you feel a different, just any type of offness from it, nine times out of ten, it has some sprays, some chemicals on it that's just been left over and they just didn't give it the, the right amount of exit time so it doesn't harm the body. I definitely see. I'm going to definitely have to have you come back again and talk more in depth about certain parts of this because I know a lot of people are interested. But on some tidbits, while we wrap up, can you talk about basically how you help people out in your consulting? Because you have a lot of people that are reaching out to you. So if you can provide them maybe like your Instagram or your Facebook page or some way to get in contact with you to learn more so you can go more one-on-one in depth and maybe, you know, helping them achieve whatever their point they're trying to achieve from someone who has dealt with thousands and thousands of plant and has a degree in plant soil science and is obviously actively growing and doing many things of that nature. So recently, since I've graduated, a lot of people have been calling me trying to get, just trying to pick my brain for the knowledge that I know. But a lot of people that I know, they want to get into the cannabis industry because they see dollar signs and they see generational wealth and they see an opportunity, but they don't know how to get what they want. They don't know how to get there. They just know what they want. That's it. But just knowing what you want don't get you nothing in life. You got to know how to get there. And so they've been using me as the bridge to get to where they want to be. They see their dream. They see the island. But then I'm finally the fairy that can come and get them to where they want to be. And so that's that's where I've just been with my consulting. I've just been looking at people's grows and I've been helping people just based off of the general knowledge that I have and that I've built. Now, I've just been helping them do what they do. I've been helping. Like, I got one client, their family, and they just they want to get into the business. They just want to get into the business. So they want me to write them a legit business plan on how they're going to get into the business. And I don't have that yet, but I know how to grow. How to grow. Right. And I know, right. I know I got resources. That's what differs me from a lot of other people. I might not know a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff about this because I'm only 22. It's a lot of stuff about this industry is I'm, I am going to learn. Right. But it's a lot of stuff about this industry that I've already learned. And that sets me apart from people with no previous knowledge or people that don't know anybody inside of the real industry besides from home growers. Like, <laughs> Which most growers I know, they just learn from the grower that they like some another grower taught them what they know. So basically they're just teaching them whatever they know. So it's yeah. just a grower teaching a grower teaching a grower instead of like someone from the farming industry, which makes you like an actual farmer, not a, a business guy who's just getting into... Who just sees dollar signs dollar around signs the plant. And wants to grow, doesn't care... What happens to it just wants to create, get as much yield as possible, the yeah. best looking and smelling bud in order to sell it for, yeah. you know, as much money as they can. But uh, if you do need consultation, and um, I am starting a, a consultation business around this cannabis, and I'm going to help people the best way that I possibly can. And as far as for compensation, I will give you full RAM of my resources, not give you the resources, but through me, you will have access to my resources. So I can get you the best possible consulting that I possibly can. I even partner with a consultant, a cannabis consultant who has years and years and years and have set up thousands and thousands and thousands of 
cooperation grows, not not just no home grow, big grows for businesses and companies and that actually do this on a large scale. So I have a lot of resources, but you can look me up on Instagram and Facebook. My name is Kwesi Huffman. Um, first name K-W-E-S-I, last name H-U-F-F-M-A-N. And uh, if you need any consulting or you have any questions or you have any ideas or you just need somebody to talk to like about this cannabis stuff because you just want to wrap your head around this whole thing, uh, just uh, hit me up and I'll respond to you in a in timely fashion. Absolutely. And then one uh, little tidbit that I always like to give people value before we, we end. What's one like thing that every grower should always keep in mind? And give me one thing off the top of your head that growers should never do that something that I, you would feel in that pe- many people don't know about. So basically your biggest tidbit, biggest advice, and then like a, a thing they should do and something they shouldn't do. A should and a When it comes should. to growing. A should. Always pH your soil and always pH your water. For anybody that doesn't know, it's called pH is potential hydrogen. So how much hydrogen is potentially inside of your soil, well, your medium, your grow medium, which can be soil, compost, water, like it varies. So how much potential hydrogen, because that, that determines how much readily available your nutrients will be. So if you don't have the optimum pH, you, you won't, you won't get a good crop. That's going to be a factor until you're not getting a good crop at the end of the day. A shouldn't is if you don't know something, don't just go off of, I can go try this. I can go do that. Go ask at least three to four people to get the best answer. I like that. And then don't just try stuff, like a try new nutrients that you ain't never did before that you have no before previous experience with and just be like yeah this is gonna work and then be shitty as hell at the end of the day when that shit fucks up your whole crop don't do that use having a research bank so literally you are trying this new thing that you want to implement but you're not for sure about try it on like two plants out of 12 plants and see what it does and then if it comes out better and you like it better than what you're already using, then implement it. But don't just go implementing shit thinking that it's, oh, they, they said this. Oh, they said it's going, it's going to give me a bigger crop. Oh, they said it's going to do this. Oh, they said, you didn't even try this shit. <laughs> right, right. Because what works for one grow doesn't work for the next grow. So you need to do your own research and you need to have your own research and development. And that is my little tidbits, my shoulds and shouldn'ts. I love it. Thank you again, man. I always appreciate when you come over and do these things and provide this this knowledge for these people on the in-depth farming, growing, and everything like that. And we will definitely see you guys on the flip side. If you got any value from this recording, please share and like to all your friends and family. This is Christian. Have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to today's recording of Healthy, Wealthy, Happy. This is your host, Christian Shabby. And if you would like to stay in more contact with me and get to know me a little bit more, you can check me out on my YouTube channel, which is Christian Shabby. Let me spell that for you. C H 
A-B-I. And also, uh, we have a website that you can also get phenomenal information, schedule a time to speak with me, one-on-one consultation, all that fun stuff, and get to listen and watch a few testimonials and check out my book, Something Ain't Right, which is all on my website, which is, guess what, also called ChristianShabby.com, www.ChristianShabby.com. All right? Thank you, and have a blessed day.